0: Um, We're going to read um, some verses from the book of Ephesians this morning. Um, So just to give you um, some background, um, and for the people who take notes in church, I'm one of those people who take notes. Generally I take notes on my electronic device these days, and uh, the notes go in the scripture passages that people are talking about. So it's all there for me to come back and, and look over. And so if you do take notes... Um, you might remember that back on the 29th of September, 2013, <laughs> a sermon entitled "The Secret of the Hidden Life." Okay, nobody's remembered that, so I can preach whatever I like today. I'll just, <laughs> I'll throw that one away, and I'll just go back to the last one. Um, so there, there are kind of certain similarities to that message. However, this is a, a fresh uh, message for today. And uh, towards the tail end of last year. Uh, we began to look at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And we covered many different areas, including the fruit of the Spirit, we talked about gifts of the Spirit, and we'll probably talk more about that. Um, but the, the work of the Holy Spirit is so diverse. There's so much that the Holy Spirit does in our world today. And I really want to look for a little while on the, this whole subject about spiritual armor. And we find out about spiritual armor in Ephesians, in chapter 6. And so I want us to spend a wee bit of time looking at that as a church. Um, But I I think we need to just spend some time, before we do that, looking at this book of Ephesians. Now, I have got more pages of notes than I normally have and less time. So we'll just see where this goes today. Um, You know, as Christians, we need to be ready. Who, Who wears armor? Let me just ask that question. Who wears armor? Soldiers. Soldiers wear armor. And so Christians are likened to soldiers. We talk about being in a spiritual battle. We talk about spiritual warfare. And we talk about the fact that we have a spiritual enemy. And that's, that's what our struggle is against. But there are some things in the book of Ephesians that we really need to get to grips with before we get to the stage of being able to, to put on spiritual armor. Um, and Ephesians is a wonderful book. Um, and it really builds a picture of what the Christian life is all about. It was intended to be read in that church at Ephesus, but then to be read around the other churches. Um, And I imagine what it must have been like, or I try to imagine what it must have been like for the first Christians to hear the book of Ephesians, which was a letter from this man called Paul. I wonder what their world was like. I wonder how they thought when they heard these words being read out for the first time. There must have been a tremendous excitement in their hearts as they heard these words from Paul. You know, the ink was probably barely dry, but they would recognize that it was Paul's handwriting. And here they had the words from the apostle, the the father to this church. And uh, nowadays, they've been translated into our language. We have them in print. We have them on electronic devices. And more languages than we could... Uh, count probably. Well, we probably could count, but umpteen English translations um, that we all have access to. And we probably have more than one Bible available to us in our houses. And I just wonder how we hear these words. See, we've read them so many times that sometimes I think the meaning can get lost for us. And I wonder if we have the same excitement when it comes to picking up our Bibles and reading what are, in fact, the very words of God into our souls. It's just a different world, probably. We have so many things at our disposal that the Christians then didn't have. But they had the Holy Spirit, they had leaders in the church, and they had these incredible words. And so it's addressed to the faithful, if you look at verse 1. And it can be split into three kind of broad sections. And I want to break it up that way for us today. Um, First, Ephesians talks about our identity in Christ. And I'll call that our connection. It's who we are and what we have because of what Jesus has done for us. And before we can ever get to thinking about spiritual warfare and putting on spiritual armor and being a bit of a he-man, We need to go way, way, way back to this whole thing about connection. To knowing who we are in Christ. The fact that Jesus has accomplished all these things for us. And then it goes on to talk about our walk as Christians. I'll call this our conduct. Simply because it begins with C. And I want to have a message with three C's in it. So there's our connection. There's that moment where we come to God. And when we get connected with God... And when we do that, it changes or should change the way we think and the way we behave so that our conduct becomes different and it should be something that people see in our lives. And then there's the last thing when we get into chapter 6. It talks about our struggle as Christians. And I'm going to call this our conflict because as Christians, we enter into a conflict. We enter into a battle. The Bible refers to it as warfare, But because I wanted to have three C's, I've got connection, conduct, and what was the last one? Conflict. Conflict. That's right. And so we need to think of these three foundations of the Christian life. You could think about it as a triangle if you wanted to. You've got connection, your connection with God. You've got your conduct, the the, the things which you do and say. And then last of all, you've got your conflict, the things that come against us, the things that we struggle against. And I really don't have time, I don't think, to go through all of the things that I've written down. But just ask, let's just pray for a little second. Father, I, I pray that you would help us to know, help me to know where to stop in these notes and the things to skip over. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come and speak to our hearts this morning. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come and really just impart something into into who we are today. Father, that we would go out from here different or perhaps being challenged or knowing something that we didn't know before. Lord, that each of us would hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in our hearts for ourselves. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. So the first thing is about our connection. And what we need to understand about getting connected to God is that our connection with God was broken. If you read in Genesis, we read the story about God creating a man and a woman and that they come together and that they're uh, instructed to serve God and to to name all the animals and to look after the garden and to do all these wonderful things. And we read that the man and the woman disobey God's one and only command to them. The one that he says, this this is the one thing I don't want you to do, and it's the one thing that they did. And their connection with God was broken. I often wonder what it would be like for Adam and Eve to have fellowship with God, to have that unbroken connection with God. An incredible thing. And that's what Jesus comes in order to restore that connection. You know, sin has broken our connection with God. God is a holy God, and sin has broken that connection. But The incredible thing is that Jesus died on the cross for our sin. He took our punishment so that all of that could be dealt with so that our connection with God can be restored. You know, people have many, many different opinions about who Jesus is. Some people think that Jesus was a good man. Some people would say that he was a wise teacher. And some people would say that he was a great leader a compassionate man, and and all these types of things. And yet Jesus claimed to be much more than that. Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. And it was that claim that got him into trouble with the religious leaders of the day, and it was that claim that eventually got him into trouble. It was that claim that they couldn't handle. How can he say that he's the Son of God? And yet we see that. As we read Scripture, as we read the Old Testament part, the the part that was written before Jesus, we see so many pointers and so many things that were spoken of that were fulfilled in this person called Jesus Christ. And that he was born, that he grew up, and that he lived an incredible life, taught incredible things, but he died, and when he died on that cross, he was able to say, it's finished. We read that in the book of John, chapter 19, verse 30. When we read that we realize that what Jesus is saying is that the bill has been paid. This is what Psalm 32 says about us. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. All our sins forgiven. Blessed uh, are those whose sins are covered. Not only are we forgiven but our sins are covered, covered over. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not hold against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. Psalm chapter 32, verses 1 and 2. What an incredible place to be. Forgiven, our sins are covered over, and that they're not counted against us any longer. That's an incredible thing. The bill has been paid. Jesus has accomplished for us that which we need in order for our connection with God to be restored. And uh, this little thought came back into my head as I was preparing this message today. Um, Many, many years ago, uh, when we were young, (laughs) Gare and uh, I I can't remember what what we were heading off to do, but we were in the car. It was a little red Mark II Ford Escort, um, which is now going to uh, the place where cars go after they (laughs) pass on. And, uh, uh, you know, we were heading over, probably to do some sort of hill walking over in the Arachal Alps somewhere, and we had to travel across the Erskine Bridge. And at at, at that time, you had to pay to get across the bridge. And uh, there's a guy behind me, and I said to the man at the, the, the toll, that's for me and the guy behind me who just so happened to be driving another red Mark II Escort estate exactly the same as mine. It's quite bizarre. And I just kind of did it for a laugh. And as I pulled away, the other guy drove up and I was able to see the expression on his face in my mirror Mm -hmm. as the guy said, "Are you free to go. He's like, what? And he was free to go because we had paid his ticket across the bridge. And this guy tailed me all the way uh, into Helensborough and he's like it wasn't until we came, we came to it, and he was turning right and I was going straight through and he pulled up alongside me, he's looking in the car, I was like, who is that? Who is this guy that's paid my bill? I don't know this guy, Fy Adam <laughs> or Eve. <laughs> he was gobsmacked because somebody had paid his bill to get across the bridge. It was probably 50 pence or some ridiculously low amount, you know. Well, 50 pence is a lot if you don't have 50 pence, eh? But But the point was that his bill was paid. He was able to cross that bridge at no charge because somebody had paid the price for him. And that's exactly what Jesus has accomplished for us because we are standing on this side with all the things that we're trying to do and accomplish and achieve, and perhaps all the good works and all the charity stuff that we're doing, and going to church and being religious and hoping that it will get us across the bridge to the other side. But the reality is that there's nothing that we can do that gets us to the other side, to where God is, because God's a holy God. The only thing that gets us from this side, across the bridge to this side, is the fact that Jesus has died for us on the cross. He made the way in order to join this side to this side, so that we can become connected with God again. And I don't know about you, but that excites me. The God who created the heavens and the earth, the whole universe, everything that we can see, and even the things that we can't see, God created it all. And he takes time to come to us, to make a way for our relationship with him to be restored. You can't earn your way into a relationship with God. We're saved by grace. And maybe Kathleen, you could do me a wee favour. I'd meant to do this earlier, but I got distracted. See in the lounge, as you turn in behind the television, there's a standard lamp there. Could you bring that out for me, please? I just realized that I'd forgotten to do that. All will become clear in just a little minute. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10 says. As for you, you were dead in your transgression and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. And... Of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and followed its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But here comes my standard lamp. Thank you, Kathleen. All will become clear in just a little second. Thank you. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Just like somebody paying your ticket across the bridge. Not by works, no matter how good they are, so that no one can boast. Imagine if we get to heaven and one person was saying, well, I did this and I did that to get here. And the other person would say, oh, that's nothing. You want to see what I did to get here, right? But that's not what it's about. We've all come by the same way through this person of Jesus Christ. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. None of us can boast. None of us. And so we're encouraged to get connected to God. God is the one who makes it all possible through Jesus. Our decision to come to God through Jesus is like coming and getting plugged in to a source of power. I nearly walked into that there. It's like coming and getting plugged in to a source of power. Okay? This is us created by God, but we're not connected. And the thing that connects us is that decision to surrender. Sorry, Beth, can't see you for this thing here. It's to surrender to God and say, I can't do it on my own. It's not about all the great things that I can do. It's not about the fact that I've given two million pounds to charity. And if anybody wants to give two million pounds to charity, I can suggest a really good one in Whitburn <laughs> that's got a food bank attached to it. Okay? It's not about these things. All of these things are nothing unless we get connected to the source of power. The source of power is God himself. And we get Ourselves connected. It's not very bright. That's because all the other lights are. Well, it's still not very bright. Not very bright at all. We'll come back to that in a second. But at least it's connected to the source of power now. And it talks in Ephesians about this power. The power that God is able to put into us, it talks about his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead so that he's now seated at God's right hand. That same power is the same power that God wants to put in us. And so when we talk in the church about letting faith arise, we need to realize that God has come and wants to fill us with power. And the things which he says in his word, which he promises to us, they're there for the taking. We just need to get connected. And there's a whole list of things that Ephesians talks about. It talks about how we're chosen. It talks about how we're adopted. We've been bought back. We've been included. We've been sealed. And we've been made alive And that we've been seated at that same place with God. It talks about how we've been saved. And I love that. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace that you've been saved. Through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that none can boast. And we've been given access to God the Father by one spirit. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18 If you want to see the notes, there's a whole list of things that Ephesians talks about, and there's a whole bunch of references here that we can look up. If you're wondering, they're here. The notes will be online if you want to download them. And there are people here today, and perhaps you've been part of the church for years. Perhaps part of this church for years, maybe another church, but you've never truly surrendered. Interesting that that word's in my note, but... You've never truly surrendered your life to Jesus and asked him to get into the driving seat of your life. For those who were here a few weeks ago, remember we showed the James Corden, uh, uh, would you call it, carpool karaoke thing, and Stevie Wonder was in the driving seat. right? I, I don't want to be that kind of person. I want somebody in the driving seat who I can trust. And there was a moment in my life where I invited Jesus to come into the driving seat of my life. Maybe you've never come to the place of acknowledging that you can't actually live a Christian life on your own. And it's like this lamp before it's plugged in, a lamp without power. It looks great, but it's not functional because it's not connected. You've been designed to carry that power. Each of us has been designed for a relationship with God because we're body, soul, and spirit. We've been designed to be connected We just need to make that decision to get ourselves connected. And it's this power, this power that God brings into our lives that's able to break the things in our lives that need to be broken. Maybe things that we've been struggling with for years. Addictions, bad habits, areas in our life where we have been confined and locked up for years. And I really feel that the Holy Spirit wants to say that what he wants to do is to break us free from those things. The Holy Spirit wants to come and do a work in us that breaks us free from things. There is no habit, no addiction, no area of life where we can't be set free. We heard that story from Barry last weekend. Once an addict. End of story. God did a work in his life that brought transformation. And that same power, that same transforming power is available to each of us to break the things in our lives which hold us back, whatever those things may be. And then the second thing is our conduct. And for those who are thinking about conduction and electricity, you're on the wrong track, okay? Okay. Our conduct is about how we live our lives and we need to think about this. Remember, what we're getting to here is about spiritual warfare. It's about engaging in prayer and in warfare with things that are beyond us, beyond our understanding and beyond our power. But to get to that place, we've got to start at that point of connection. But we've also got to get to this area of conduct. How do we conduct ourselves as Christians because when we get connected to power then there's a change happens the light comes on but then that light is supposed to show other people the way to God as well and we live our life our christian life out both in a private sphere your world the things which you know about you that i don't know right your struggles i don't know what everybody's struggles are and you don't know what my struggles are there's a private world to all of us. But there's also a public sphere of life that we engage in. That area where we work together. And how we conduct ourselves is of great importance. Because it's not only our reputation that's at stake. It's his reputation which is at stake. The reputation of the God that we profess to follow. And the church has fell down time and time and time again. Again. Because it's forgotten that there's another reputation at stake, his. And we read a lot about how we should conduct ourselves in Ephesians chapter 4 and 5 and on into part of chapter 6 as well. And this is what Paul says to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord then, and he is in prison when he's writing this, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You see, each of us have choices that we need to make every day. We might have made that decision to get connected into the power, connected into that source of power, but every day we need to make decisions and choices about whether or not we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to be the boss in our lives and take the driving seat in our lives, or whether we're going to try and kind of nudge over and get into the driving seat ourselves. Left hand drive, don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. And it's like it's like this lamp, because this lamp has something else about it, right? It has a wee switch at the bottom. Right? See that? That light wasn't very bright when it was all the way down there. Right? There was a day when I studied electronics and this would have been a variable resistor. And when you add resistance into a circuit, it reduces the amount of current that can flow, right? And it's exactly like that with us. If we bring resistance into our lives, then the Holy Spirit can't work in us and through us. The less the resistance, the brighter the light. The less we resist God, the less we resist the working of God in our lives, the more we get into the Bible and say, okay, I agree with your assessment on these things. And realize that it's me that needs to change. The more we do that, the brighter our light becomes. Our conduct becomes worthy of the calling that we have received. It's like this light bulb that is behind me. You see, it's how we've been designed to live. We've been designed to live in connection with God. We've been designed to live in a way where it's not about us resisting God's will in our lives, but allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us. Remember what we're talking about here. We're talking about the fact that at some point as Christians, we need to engage in spiritual warfare because we have a spiritual enemy. We can't get to this place without getting connected. And until we're connected and have God's power working through us, then our conduct will become our own efforts at best. But when we get connected and allow the Holy Spirit to work through us, and we stop resisting God, then our light begins to shine even brighter. This is what Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, his unstoppable power supply, That he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. Where? In your inner being. We're designed to carry this power. It goes on to say, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to know uh, sorry, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. It starts by getting connected. It goes on by reducing, cancelling out our resistance to the work that God wants to do in us. And then these verses from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, it says, Now to him... Who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work out there somewhere? What does it say? Is it something that God's just going to do out there somewhere? It says here, according to his power that is at work within us. No light, no power. But no light if there's no lamp. God wants to work through his church. God wants to work in partnership with the church in order that your light shines even brighter and that my light shines even brighter and and then our light as a church shines even brighter. He's not just going to do things randomly, willy-nilly. He wants to work through the church. It says that the in the Bible that Jesus is building the church. He's building you and I. He's building us up. He's making us so that we're able to carry this power. But we can't get to this place of spiritual warfare if there's stuff going on in our lives, if there's resistance to the Holy Spirit. We just become dulled. And we stop stop being able to hear the voice of God in our lives. Maybe God has asked you to do something, and you've not done it. That's your conduct. The thing that God has asked you to do If you're resisting them and you're not going to do it, then your conduct is not exhibiting the power of God. It's more like this than like this. Our conduct needs to mirror the work that God is doing in us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, pardon the pun, sheds some light on this. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see... Your good deeds, your good deeds. Why? That they might praise the Father in heaven. Not that they go, Terry. You do such a fantastic job in the toddler group, and I think you're wonderful. And really, can I get your autograph? Because you're just my hero, <laughs> right? And Terry does do a wonderful job along with Fiona and. Uh, the other guys in the toddler groups and the toddler group. But Terry's not doing that so that she can look good. Terry's doing that because God spoke to her about getting involved with a toddler group and meeting a need in the community and being alongside people, people who we want to get connected to this source of power. She's not doing it for glory, she's doing it so that God might get the glory. And Ephesians talks a lot about our conduct, and we really have run out of time. It talks about, if you read the New King James Version or the Authorised Version uh, of the Bible, it uses this expression about our walk, our walk with God, how we walk. And it talks about walking in good works, it talks about walking worthily, it talks about walking in love, it talks about walking in light. And it talks about walking in wisdom. Five things that talks about how we should conduct ourselves as Christians. You see, it's what people see in us. It's what people see about us. If we say that God is great and our lives don't exhibit it through our conduct, they go, I don't know that God is great. Because you're not showing me that God is great. And we need to think about that. I wonder what God has said to you to do. What is your purpose? And I think this is an area that the Holy Spirit wants to really open up to us today. What is your purpose? What has God asked you to do? Why are you connected to the source of power, is it just so that one day you can stand before God and say, yes, I made it, I'm in. Or when we stand before God and he asks us about our conduct. He asks us about the things that he entrusted us with. He said, I gave you this opportunity. What did you do? I was too scared. I didn't feel I could answer the questions. Come here, Alpha. You'll find out how you answer the questions. What am I doing? Why am I here? Where do I fit in? If I'm created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared, prepared beforehand, then what are they and how do I know? And we do that by listening to God, by listening to what he's saying. And sometimes we speak to other people and say, I think God's asking me to give a million pounds to charity. I kind of think you'd be asking him to hear that, but he might ask somebody that. I've said this before. A businessman up in Perthshire paid my salary when I worked for Crusaders. He paid it, the whole thing, for three years, and then he paid it for another three years. Unfortunately, I had to kind of bail out after the, the sixth year. But he's a man who is called by God. He's a businessman, he's got plenty of money great business, but he's called by God to give money to this charity called Crusaders, which is now called Urban Saints, so that this wee guy called Stevie Roy can go about and try and help other people to reach young people for Jesus. Incredible. When God asks you to do something, I would say, well, what has God placed in you? As Brandon and Melissa felt, when they were moving to Glasgow. What, what have you got in your hand? What have you got? And I, I just feel I want to emphasize that this church has need for people to rise up in faith. This church has need for people to rise up in our worship and praise of our incredible God. Our church has need for people to rise up and see his kingdom come and see his will be done in this area amongst Your friends, your family, your colleagues, your classmates. And so every day we're asked to live out our lives in a way that demonstrates that we are connected to a source of power that is far greater than us. Demonstrates that we are connected to God himself because it shows in our conduct. It shows in the things that we say. And I was never really going to get to conflict today. We need to think about our connection. And if you're not connected to God yet, if you've never made that decision to surrender to Jesus, then today's the day. Don't wait any longer. About our conduct, the way that we express ourselves, the things which we do or don't do, the things which we say or don't say, how we respond in different situations. This church needs people who are going to stand in the gap of prayer. And let me emphasize this strongly. We put prayer requests out around the prayer chain. If you're not on the prayer chain, see Jillian. Jillian's sitting up the back. Give us a wave, Jillian, okay? Jillian. Give us a wave so that people can see you, okay? Look at Jillian. She's up the back over there, okay? If you're not on the prayer chain, get on the prayer chain, right? But this is what I want to finish with. What has God burdened you to pray for? You know, I ask people for prayer for things. But there are some things that I need to hold in myself and pray through myself because because I don't feel God has given someone else the burden to pray for that. God has given me the burden to pray for that. And it's a private thing. Getting back into this private world where it's just God and me. is my connection with him. Nobody else's connection. We're all connected into the same source, but it's something that God is asking me to do. And I think we need to find that thing which God is asking us to pray about, and to think about, and to work through and battle through ourselves. I really have run out of time, and we haven't even got to conflict at all. I was going to introduce that, um, but we'll maybe do that. Uh, we'll maybe do that next week. I, th- I feel that God is speaking into the life of the church. I feel that God is saying things. If you think about what the messages have been in what's come through in the life of the church over the last number of weeks, God is speaking into the church and God is calling us to rise up. God is calling us to reduce our resistance to what he wants to do and to allow him to flow in power in this church. And you know, it's what gives me courage every day I wake up is that God is with me, is that God is speaking into my life and God is speaking into the life of this church. My job, your job, our job is to respond to what God is saying. If God says, rise up in faith, then let's do that. And let's not wait till next Sunday to do that. Let's look at what's going to happen when we get out of this door today. When we go home, when we go out into the world, let's rise up in faith and let's be all that God calls us to be. The last thing that I'm going to say, and it is the last thing, is that we occasionally say to people that if you want to come for prayer, then come and get prayer. And we open up the front of the church for people to come. And the last time I did that, Kathleen was waiting for me and I was away off somewhere else. So apologies for that. But if you need prayer for something, if you need to chat about any of this, then come down and... uh, Make yourself available. Because I really believe that God wants to do some new things in this church. God wants to begin to answer those prayers. God wants to begin to help us to allow that power to flow, not just for our benefit, but for his glory. So that this kingdom that we pray, this kingdom come, this will be done. That his purposes will be fulfilled in our time and in our generation. So we're going to do that after we sing our closing song. The church will be opened up today. We're not going to do it during the closing song, but it will be afterwards. Let's just pray as we draw things to a close. I'm going to invite the musicians to come back up and just get ready to lead us as we take up our offering. And if today has challenged you in any way, then please come and say. If you've never made that decision to become a Christian, then please come and say. We've got some information that we can give you about that and pray with you. If there are things which you need prayer for, then come and make yourself available. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this incredible letter which Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. Father, we thank you for Paul's obedience to write that. Father, we thank you for his heart for that church and, Lord, for the other churches. But, Lord, we thank you that these things have survived throughout the centuries amidst almost impossible odds And these words can be read by us today. And Father, we thank you that these words speak into our hearts today. And we pray that you would help us to be people who get connected with that source of power. And Father, we pray that you'd help us to make room for you in our lives so that we are not resisting you all the time and not resisting the things which you want to say and do in us and through us. And so, Father, we pray that you bring us to that place where we are able to engage in spiritual warfare, where we're able to put on spiritual armor and be able to get involved uh, at a really deep level in the building of your kingdom. Father, we thank you that it is your kingdom and we pray that your kingdom would come in Whitburn Pentecostal Church, in our community, in the surrounding villages, in this area of West Lothian, in our nation. Father, we pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.